Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to episode two of the Tennis Section podcast. Uh, we're very excited to be again with you guys, especially after the first episode and the great reception which we got from that uh, across our social media platforms. Um, joining me today again is Andrew, the co-founder of Tennis Section, and we're ready to get into things about uh, Roland Garros and uh, everything that's going on at Wimbledon. Hey, guys, as Liam said, glad to be here again, you know, on our second episode. Hope you guys have been enjoying the French Open as much as we have. And as always, please feel free to let us know any comments or ask any questions that you may have. We're here to discuss it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, looking at the Roland Garros draw, the first first few rounds, well, currently the second round is going on as, as we speak. Um, today is the top half of the draw playing the second round matches and then tomorrow will be the bottom half of the draw. Um, but we've had some some upsets already uh, in the in the men's side of the tournament, just in the first round, which we didn't expect as many as there they were. Um, what was the one that shocked you the most, Andrew? Uh, yeah, so we had two pretty significant upsets in the first round in the on the men's side. We had Corona Busta losing to Gilles Simon, who we all know is a very good player, a good veteran player, but you would have never expected him to beat someone as fit as PCB, you know, over five sets especially. Um, then we had Denis Shapovalov um, after that upset win over Rafael Nadal. Um, Nadal was injured, but still pretty significant win. And he goes down to the young, young and exciting Holger Rune. Mm, yeah, no, those matches were very... I, I had a feeling about the Holger Rune match. I remember it was, I believe it was Monday, right? Oh, no, no, it was yesterday. Sorry, it was on Tuesday. And I I, I looked at the, the schedule for Roland Garros and I, I looked at the first match of the day and I said, first match of the day... You know, there's all, it, when it's the first match of the day, there's always, there can always be an upset because players, you know, might be not fully ready to go so early on. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I thought, you know, that, that was a great chance for Holger Rune to get things going against Shapovalov. And as we saw, he, he basically dominated the entire match. The third set was a bit tighter than, than the first two. But even, even though that was tight, Holger Rune maintained his composure and was able to see it through. Um, when it comes to the, the PCB and uh, Simon match, yeah, I didn't expect that one either. But, you know, we always get that here in, in France when a French player is on the other side of the court. It's always hard to predict against them, uh, especially in like these first few rounds, just because you have, you know, the crowd which just pushes so, so much. Yeah, exactly. And I saw both of those matches, you know, and, and as you said, Simon got a huge bunch of inspiration from the crowd, you know, they were really willing him to win. Um, but in interestingly enough, um, PCB seemed rattled from the start, you know, he's usually very mentally solid, and it takes quite a bit for him to lose it, you know, but he, he didn't seem to be his normal intent self throughout the match. You know, I mean, he, he was not not laughing, you know, but he didn't seem like he was taking it as seriously as he should have been. You know, he was always looking up to his box. You know, I'm sure the French crowd had something to do with it, right? Like they were their normal selves. You know, we saw Di Menor had a had a pretty big issue with the crowd um, after his loss to Gaston. Mm. You know, so he, he seemed rattled, you know, which was unusual. And we all know that Simon is capable of some great tennis, but he after he lost that third set, you know, he, he could hardly walk, you know. So I didn't th see there was any way that he could have win the fifth. You know, he came back from a breakdown, so huge win for him. And if you remember, Liam, um, we picked Holgerun as one of our, our guys, promising youngsters out there who have a shot of the top five, maybe potentially, you know, so we'd like to take some credit for that pick, obviously. And, and <laughs> Shapovalov is, is a very confident guy, you know. Um, some people even brand him as arrogant. I don't know enough about him to say that, you know, but maybe, you know, he was his normal confident self and that win against Nadal, you know, he, he kind of pushed him over the limit to 
to be overconfident in that match because I don't think he would have believed that he would lose here to, to Rune, even though we know that Rune's been having a fantastic year. Yeah, I'd say it's it's always hard with Shapovalov because he's a player who has, has so much natural talent. Just, you know, the, the flamboyance of his game allows him to just dictate play and move opponents around so easily. And adding on top of that, that he's a lefty, you know, he, he could have so many opportunities to win big titles. But I think the mental side of his game lets him down at times. Uh, I think exactly. he has he has a mental block on his serve. So when his when his first serve isn't performing as well as he would like it to be performing, his second serve doesn't show up as much as it should do. Um, exactly, sort of, sort of like exactly. a Zverev, you know. Um, but at least Zverev mm-hmm. has that consistency in his shots. You know, you, you know, you can see a, a Zverev rally for thirty shots on on his backhand side or even on his forehand side, and he's pretty confident in not missing. Which Shapovalov also moves into his actual ground strokes, which then cause him to lose some momentum. Yeah, agreed. And I, I kind of class him together with um, Felix Sajay Alassim. You know, like they're both flamboyant. They both have their mental issues, but they no denying that they have a huge game. You know, capable yeah. of beating the very best when they're ready. So, exactly, they're still they're both still young enough to to get everything together. You know, they can work on their mental side and and kind of rein in their enthusiasm a bit. You know, so time is still on their side, but. Speaking about Zverev, you just mentioned him, you know, he's in a bit mm. of a battle here against um, Sebastian Baez, yes. you know, and he, he was kind of stunned in the first two sets, you know, um, he looked pretty awful. I don't know any other word to describe it, but he, he seems to be fighting back here. He's up, a, he won the third set and he's now up a break in the fourth. So I, he, he should have this match under control, but a bit surprising to see both him and Sitsipas struggling so early on in this tournament. Yeah, that 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 Zverev match I started watching and I was I was quite shocked to be honest. I wasn't afraid for him straight away. Like when I saw the first set six two, I said, okay, well as, as long as he bounces back in the second, it's all fine. And then when he was four nil down in the second with break point to go five nil down, I, I was I was quite shocked. But he's able to turn that around for now. Um, obviously by the end of this podcast, the match might still be going on and the result might actually be different than it actually is now. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to see the fighting spirit from Zverev. I think he might have also been inspired by uh, Titi Pass's fighting spirits last night, because I think he must have seen how Titi Pass was actually against the wall for the majority of like the yeah. first two sets, and then he was able to just raise his level drastically to get get himself through that match. Which, to be honest, if he didn't get himself through that match, <clears throat> I would have been shocked just because. He has the nicer side of the draw compared to Zverev, Nadal, Djokovic, oh, and the and, no. and the rest. Totally agree. And what do you think it was? Do you think it was just mental and he kind of relaxed a bit, knowing that he he has such a good draw? I mean, he, he doesn't usually take opponents lightly. You know, Sitsipas at least. You know, you can we can see that casual kind of demeanor from Zverev at times, but Sitsipas doesn't usually. I mean, they both had very strong opponents. You know, Mosetti and Baez are both fantastic players, but not players that we would expect to give those guys trouble over five sets, especially in the first round, second round of a slam. Yeah. I think, I think Mazzetti, he, he'd been playing well somewhat this clay court season. You know, he, he was able to produce some great um, quality tennis in, in Monte Carlo per se, but you know, he hadn't actually gotten anywhere in tournaments other than a few matches here and there where he showed some, some great, yeah. some great tennis. But yeah, I think the, the reason why Tsitsipas lost those first two sets was just he was taking things a bit too easy. Like you said, he, was, he wasn't feeling the pressure of having to perform. He felt that perhaps, you know, as he was on the easier side of the draw, things should be easy. 
but that's not always Agreed. the case, you know, because as it is the easier mm. side of the draw, lower ranked players yeah. will also want to perform because they know that they can get far into the tournament if they do perform well and have a lot of points that help them get their ranking up and also more prize money than they used to. Mm. Agreed. And you said something earlier that I agree with. You said it's nice to see Zverev fighting, you know, because we all know Tsitsipas is a fighter. So at no point was I really too concerned that he would lose, even though he mm. went down two sets to love, you know. But when Zverev went down two sets to love, you know, in my opinion, he's kind of hit or miss. You know, he, he's been known to kind of give up and fold under pressure, you know. Yeah. But it's nice to see him fighting. And, you know, he, he seems dominant right now. You know, he's now up a double break in the fourth and all the momentum in the world. So I, I do think he'll close this match out. But I, I was pretty surprised that Sitsipas didn't go out there a bit more assertive from the beginning, you know, because he would be well aware of the opportunity that he has in that bottom half of the draw. So he should be trying to get through these matches as quickly as possible, ensuring that he has by far more rest under his belt than the, anyone coming to the top half, because we all know that the top half is going to be a struggle, whoever makes it through. Yeah, yeah, I'd say we, we also can't sort of criticize Tsitsipas too much just because in the first set he actually was up 4-1 and 15-40 so he had a, he had the opportunity to go up a double break but missed those those shots and then obviously things went the other way um, Agreed. but yeah. you know but those those are, have been some upsets which have been close to happening but um, moving on to upsets outside of the top 10 and four former top 10 players to be honest um, Dominic Team losing in the first round to Hugo Delian quite convincingly no, agreed. And as we said in the first podcast, you know, it's very sad to see Team struggling because, I mean, I don't think there's anyone in the world that dislikes Team. You know, he's one of the nicest mm. guys on tour. He's got a fantastic game and very sad to see him struggling. We, and we did say in our first podcast that we thought he had a difficult draw. You know, Delian is not one of the top players in the world. You know, he's a very solid clay court player and not someone you want to see in the first round. You know, he's very consistent, moves very well. And I thought from the start, it would be a struggle for sure. Um, didn't necessarily think he would win was hoping team would pull it out but you know he went down yeah I think I wasn't shocked by the loss I would have liked to see him put a bit of a fight on you know win a set or two um but it's always hard when you're coming back from those types of injuries especially okay. it being your your first major injury you know you know you're not really too sure on how to handle things um it's sad to see you know team saying that he's thinking of going down to the challenger level and, you know, trying to gain his confidence back there before coming back to the ATP tour. It might be good for him as well, because we're going now going into the grass court season after the French open, which, you know, has never really been team's strength playing on grass. Um, so going to the challenger courts and sort of playing on clay and on hard courts will really maybe help him get his confidence back and get some momentum going before, you know, the U S hard court swing later this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. But what he needs to be careful of, you know, is if he were to lose at the challenger level, you know, what would that do to him mentally? You know, he's already got, mm. he's already got one loss at the challenger level already this year. And, you know, I, I think he's experienced enough and mentally tough enough to handle it, you know, but he, we can't imagine what he's been through over the past two years. So I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely is a good move, you know, because it's not really helping him to just come here and lose in the first round every tournament he plays. You know, he needs to get some long matches under his belt and a lot of reps in. So that should be a good move. Disappointing to see, but good move overall, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's not It's not like he's been far from actually winning an ATP Tour match. I mean, I believe in, in Estero, he played against uh, Benjamin Bonzi and he lost the first set um, quite convincingly. But in the second set, he had a few set points in the tiebreak, which... Um, 
seemed like it was actually going to go his way, but a few errors went the other way and eventually he lost in straight sets. So he's been close to, you know, being competitive a match, but we haven't seen him win a set yet. You know, we need to see that from him. We need to see the fighting spirit. And I think once he does get that under his belt, he can definitely, you know, build himself back up to what he used to be. Maybe, you know, even if he builds himself back up to 80% of what he used to be, that's that's a great career, I'd say. US Open yeah. champion and, yeah. you know, top 20 player who's able to, you know, compete for, you know, a lot of titles, maybe not as big as he used to, but... You know, it's, 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 it, it, would, it would be very good for him, I think, mentally. Yeah, none of the losses that he had really are, are terribly shocking. You know, I mean, he's been playing decent opponents. You know, he's lost to Millman. He's lost to Andy Murray. You know, he's lost to Cecinato. You know, so it's a decent players overall. So hopefully he just builds his confidence and his back where he belongs, really, at the top of the charts um, very soon. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to see that, hopefully, hopefully this year, because I think the longer it goes, the harder it gets. But um, looking still at uh, some upsets that happened in, in the first rounds of Roland Garros, we saw uh, Alejandro Davidovich Vakina losing in the first round to Talon Griekspor, um, which, you know, it's not the most shocking thing, um, especially, you know, Fakina, he, he played really well in Monte Carlo, reaching the final and pushing Tsitsipas a bit in that match. But he hasn't really shown too, too much since then. And Griekspor has been, he's been great on the Challenger Tour for, for the majority of the year. Um, and he, he's definitely a player that you don't want to meet on a bad day. Um, Agreed. So I think that match was not the biggest shock, but the shocking part of it was the amount of points that Fakina is going to lose because last year, obviously, he made the quarterfinals here in, in Roland Garros. Um, so that, that might be a bit of a disappointment for him. Um, but I can't really think of many other upsets in the men's side uh, here at the French Open. Can you? No, not not really. Nothing that stood out, obviously, other than the, the PCB, Shapovalov, and to a lesser extent, Davidovich Fokina. Um, but on the ladies' side, you know, we had quite a few. We had former number one, Naomi Osaka, even though Clay has never been her preferred surface, obviously. Um, but she lost in the first round to Anisimova. Um, we had Raducanu going down today in the second round um, after being impressive, in my opinion, in the first round. You know, she came through a tough mm. first rounder, but it was nice to see her actually fighting after some rough results this year. And um, last year's semifinalists, I think in the biggest upset this year, even more so than, the, than Osaka's match, you know, she went down today to Machova. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Andrew. But I think the, the biggest upset in the women's side was the defending champion, Kritsikova, just losing in the first round on Monday against, uh, against the Frenchman, Diane Parry. You know, oh, true. She, I, for, I forgot about that one. How could I leave that out? Yeah, shocking, <laughs> shocking. You know, and she, she's, she, been, she's been impressive lately too. Not yeah, as she, good as not as good as she was the end of the end of the year last year, but you know, not not really an, a result I would have expected at all. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, Kretschkova was just dominant in the first set, winning six one. But then I don't know. You know, as we always say, the French crowd really can can change a match in, at the French Open. So Agreed. She 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 obviously still has the doubles the title to defend. Her first round match I think starts on Thursday. Um, but you know, she, she will definitely be disappointed that she is losing 2000 points basically from her. Oh, absolutely. Ending. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you don't want to lose in the first round of a tournament that you just won. So it's, it's always hard for players when that happens. Um, especially when it's a grand slam tournament. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think those are the big upsets that happened, um, at Roland Garros so far, but what, what really shocked the tennis world this week has been 
uh, the Wimbledon situation. You know, the ATP Tour has decided to remove all of their ranking points from Wimbledon this year. And they are also, you know, not freezing or keeping 50% of the points from last year. So players are, are really looking shocked about that. No, I agree. That That is a shocking decision. You know, I, I knew something was going to change um, from their original decision, um, but I did not expect this. You know, I thought at some point they were going to fold and allow the athletes to compete, you know, the Russians and the, the Belarusians. Mm. But I don't know. I, I, I still think there's a lot more discussion to be had. I think something else will change, you know, because it, as it stands right now, it seems like a lot of players are going to pull out. I've seen yeah. Osaka very critical of it, you know, and she's saying it's, it's essentially just an exhibition, you know, and you might get the bigger guys who are not in it necessarily for the money um, pulling out. Um, although that, that kind of paycheck is still difficult to turn down no matter who you are. But, you know, ranking points are what really matter, we all know. So yeah. I, I don't see that happening. You know, I've seen Djokovic very outspoken about it, you know, and I, I don't know. It's, it's, in my opinion, a terrible decision. Not that we know what went on behind the scenes for them to have come up with that. I don't think it's as simple as it seems, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. That's the truth. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's always a tough decision because, you know, they, they had to make a decision on something. They had to, you know, they couldn't just let uh, DLTA just make all the decisions for them. At the end of the day, they do have to protect the players. But the one thing I did find shocking was that they didn't sort of, you know, like they did during during COVID, um, Hard, like freeze the ranking points maybe you know no one loses Great. any points or maybe you just keep 50 percent of the points from last year yeah, yeah. um because some players like you know berrettini Djokovic is going to lose Djokovic losing 2000 points berrettini's losing his points from the final shapovalov hercax they're all losing like points that really take them out of the top 20 if, if they didn't have those points at, at, and you know we even saw players like martin fuksovic's like around 60 in the world right now Post on yeah. his Instagram story, thank you, ATP, after Wimbledon, I will now go from 60 to 130 in the world. And I don't wow. think I don't think that's normal, you know. Um, Agreed. So it's sort of it's sort of, you know, not great to see that. But then when you when you really look at it, people like Andy Murray have said, Yeah, I understand there's no points and the prize money might go down, but when when you think about other sporting events like, you know, the World Cup or, you know, the Masters in golf. Do you, do you remember the prize money? Do you remember the ranking points? No, you just remember who won the tournament. Exactly. Um, so people will not really look at, oh, okay, it's a, it's a glorified exhibition tournament. People might still see, oh, it's Wimbledon, you know, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Sampras, all these great players have won this tournament so many times. And I'm sure a lot of top players still want to get that na their name on that list um, of oh, champions. I've Absolutely. But on the flip side of that, there'll still be a big set of people who are saying that this title, whoever wins it will have a big asterisk on it, you know, because if, if the number two player in the world is banned from playing, you know, in, in Medvedev and quite a lot, a few of the others opting out because of the ranking points and so on, you know, yeah, you won, but did you really, you're still yeah. a Wimbledon champion, but you know, you'll always get critics no matter what happens, you know, but I, I've always thought that the best thing to do would just be, what the Olympics did, you know, and what other sports are doing and what the ATP has been doing for the entire year. You know, you can compete, the Russians can compete, but just not under your flag and, and Russia not yeah. be represented. You know, I don't see why, as much as I think the war is a horrible thing and we need to make a stand, you know, I don't see how stopping Russians from playing Wimbledon makes any difference. Yeah. 
No, I completely, know, so. I completely agree. I think, I think they should be allowed to play. I think it's not, it's not fair because at the end of the day, they're, they're just, you know, the best in their sport. So it's unfair that whatever ha- is happening outside of their control in mm-hmm. their country affects yeah, them personally. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, you know, I'm still expecting more things to change. I don't think it's going to stay as is, you know, and I Mm. I really want to see the top players, you know, the Djokovic's and the Dallas Federer's even get together and really make a stand, you know, because they're the ones that can really reverse this decision because I don't see. Do you think they they would take a stand? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always difficult to tell, you know, they've got sponsors and they've got so many people looking up to them and so on. So they've always got to be very difficult what they say. Yeah. You know, but, but at the same time, you know, they, they, they kind of have to do something, you know, and, and their voice is powerful. You know, no one's going to listen to, I saw Dan Evans speaking about it, but no one's really going to take him too seriously. You know, no, no disrespect meant to him at all, you know, but if we get the, the top three or four players in the world saying in both men and women saying, we're not playing unless something changes, you know, I, I do think the LTA will be forced into at least some dialogue, you know, yeah, because exactly, their, yeah. their revenue would go down significantly. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it definitely has to come from the top guys. You know, Dan Evans, great player and, you know, very entertaining to watch, but absolutely, it's not going to make the headlines in the tennis world when Dan Evans takes a stand on something in tennis. It's going to, it's going to, you know, make the back pages, but you really want the big guys to be making those statements. Um, other than that, I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like you said, the developments over the next few weeks before Wimbledon, what actually happens and how it, how it takes takes place i'm going i'm yeah. going to the quarterfinals this year um at wimbledon um so it'll be interesting to see if if i'm going to see players that you wouldn't usually expect to see in the well, exactly like in, you have to think of it this way you may be going to see djokovic or you may be going to see a, a quarterfinal hugo delian versus <laughs> ramos vinolas yeah at exactly. Wimbledon, you know so exactly exactly so, so, so it'll hope, it'll be... hopefully for your sake we, everything gets resolved and, and the top guys can play <laughs> I'd love to see a Medvedev match there, but you know, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, I think Wimbledon is always going to be a hard topic to go on about now just because there's so much uncertainty about it. Um, but moving back to, you know, Roland Garros, looking at the top guys there, you know, Nadal has been looking great in his first match. He's playing another match again today. Uh, Djokovic is, has been looking very good in his, in his first two matches and, you know, Alcaraz as well. So what do, you, what do you think? Who looks better at the moment? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a little bit too early to tell, but the top two guys, Djokovic and Nadal, both look fantastic. You know, um, Sitsapas looked fantastic for the last three sets of his match. You know, um, so he's, he's always going to be up there. Um, I don't know. What do you think about Medvedev, actually? He had a very easy first-round win. You know, clay is not his surface at all. You know, is yeah, there any hope for yeah. him to, to win a couple more matches? I know he's not a serious contender, you know, but we'd still like to see him win a few matches and stick I mean, around for as long as possible. I heard, I didn't watch his match personally, but I watched, I watched the highlights and I heard and I also, you know, heard as well, uh, like heard from people and heard from the actual highlights of the match. The French crowd were really for Medvedev during that match. <laughs> it's, it's partially, obviously, might be some favoritism because he's not able to play Wimbledon so they might feel bad for him also you know he spent many years of his life in France training that he, he right. basically became the player here he is in France so they might they might be looking at at him like as if it's one of his of their own um so I think he still has a couple wins in him I I think his first match was quite easy just because of the opponent he had it'll be more interesting when we see him play someone with a bit more 
you know oomph in their game which can exactly exactly which can actually challenge him and actually see where he at, he is physically and and both you know just his ground strokes on clay but i don't see him having really any shot of getting you know to the semi-finals or the final no absolutely not i don't i don't see that happening you know but the draw is is good enough that i mean no reason why he can't make the quarterfinals you know mm. and he, he's got the talent you know he hates the surface and his movement is a big struggle you know he's a big guy and he doesn't even move particularly well on on the quicker surface you know he covers ground very quickly and anticipates it well but he's not necessarily a quick guy you know and if yeah, there's no one really that can take him apart in the bottom half other than Sitsipas, you know so maybe sinner you, you know could, but if you, if, say, if you could say rublev has an opportunity here true over his fellow yeah, russian true. you know i yeah. think i think yeah medvedev on clay he, he does move well on clay but not as well as he does on a hard on a hard court it's it's yeah. virtually impossible to hit through him at times because he just exactly has the ability to go from side to side of the court so fast yeah. and just yeah. returns everything and it doesn't sometimes it doesn't even look like he's able to return a shot but the yeah. way and he, he's had some good results on clay arms, in the past you know? he's had a few good results on clay in the past you know it's very inconsistent on it obviously but you never know i mean i'm not treating him as a serious contender obviously but would like to see him stick around you know a very entertaining guy and the crowd loves him yeah so, and, and i would like to see sitsipas get pushed a little bit you know i don't want to see him totally fresh well Musetti helped me out there, you know, but I don't want to see him <laughs> totally fresh playing against the tired guy in the top half. Um, but speaking on the top half, sorry to, to change the subject, you know, but no, we have Alcaraz in a bit of trouble here in the second set tiebreaker. I mean, it's still on serve, but he was up a mini break in the tiebreaker, you know, but Ramos Vinolas got the break back. So Alcaraz is serving at 4-5 oh, wow. in that tiebreaker. Yeah, a bit closer than I would have expected. Uh, his I opponent think... is a tough guy on clay, but yeah, you know, I think he is, he's he's going to be prone to you know some some mishaps just because he is still you know young, but I I, I wouldn't be too worried about that just because. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind him having a tough first round match anyway, you know, to get some some matches under his belt and some court time under his belt, you know. Yeah. So exactly. not not the worst it'll, thing. It'll, I don't see this match going all the way. No, I know. I don't. I don't see. It. I don't. I don't think. Alcaraz French French crowd seems to be behind Ramos Vinales, surprisingly. Well, I only oh, saw wow. one point there, you know, but they're they're standing on their feet, you know, he's pumped up, fist pumping all over, you know. So <laughs> I think they just want to see more tennis, probably. Yeah, definitely. I think I think you know he's hard to he's believe on... any crowd. How to, hard to believe any crowd could be against Alcaraz at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the 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 betting odds on on the French Open, you know, title favorites, and Alcaraz and Djokovic are basically. Most places say odds, you know. Agreed. Uh, yeah. But, uh, opportunity but, um, for Nadal fan to make some money, maybe if they believe that <laughs> that he's gonna come through. Yeah, Not exactly. After. Oh, uh, Ramos Vinolas actually has a uh, set point now on his racket, oh, serving up six five in the second set. Very so interesting. Yeah. Well, I'll keep you guys updated as we, we go along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure by by the the end of the podcast, we will know who won that second set. But yeah. Even if it goes either way, I'm sure Alcaraz will win the match. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, no, everyone's, everyone's, you know, the title favorites have been looking good on, in the top half of the draw. Um, in the bottom half of the draw, as we said, you know, Titipas did show some great fights against Mazzetti to come back in that match. Um, but yeah, no, going going through uh, the Instagram, we've got a few questions for this podcast, and I would I would like to go through them if you if you're happy, Andrew. The, yeah, the first one is. Uh, 
is do you think that this Titi Pass match will tire him or motivate him forward? I think motivate him forward. I think these guys are so fit that they won't be tired just yet. You know, obviously not ideal for them to have multiple five setters, you know, going into it, but I think it'll motivate him. You know, he, he wasn't happy that he lost the first two sets and he really raised his game by a, a gear or two coming into the last three sets, you know, so he looked fantastic towards the end. So I don't think he's going to let that mistake happen again, you know, and I'm expecting some great tennis going forward from the start of matches for him. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I think exactly the same. And really, the most questions are just about our cries, and I think we've covered most of them, you know, in, in last podcast and in this podcast as well. But one, one question which came out this week was, you know, do you think that sponsors should be pulling away from Wimbledon this year? Uh, I'll let you take that. Um, I have my thoughts on it. You can go first if you like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, th- I think, you know, it's it's sad to see that maybe some of the top players, maybe top thirty players, top forty players, might not be going to the tournament. Um, which you know they 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 really aim to make their living in those grand slams. Like lower ranked players aim to make their living in those grand slams because in the first round you might make seventy to one hundred thousand dollars. You know, which is more which, than you might make for the rest of the year. Exactly. So yeah. that 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 sort of money really helps you pay for your your travel, your coaches, your food everything you need to be able to compete for the rest of the year, even if you're playing at a loss for the rest of the year. Um, yes. Agreed. So it's, it's, it's hard to say, Oh, you know, sponsors should be pulling away and prize money should be going down because still players livelihood is at stake. You know, the tennis, the tennis world is in a, isn't a cheap world. Um, you might look at the prize money for, you know, the top 10 guys, every time they come on screen, they show like how much money they've made in their careers, but at the lower levels of the game, it's, it's quite a struggle. Um, so the Grand Slams are really an opportunity for those players to get themselves a bit of pocket money and get themselves motivated to not think about the money for the rest of the season, but rather know that they have the money and they can try and play their best. Mm. Um, so it'd be sad to see sponsors pulling away, in my opinion. No, exactly. And you have to imagine that they're considering it, you know, because as a sponsor, you know, you, you want to do the right thing, but you have to worry about your bottom line. And do you want to spend so much money you know in a tournament where so few players are going to be playing you know and also on the other hand you also have to consider too that do you really want to pull your sponsorship from a tournament that is in their mind doing the right thing in support of the war (laughs) against the war in ukraine you know because while we may disagree with the decision you know wimbledon is taking their stance to support (laughs) the war ending obviously so do you want to be associated with pulling your money from that tournament who's trying to do something yeah it's a very it's a very never fine easy line, isn't it it's a very fine line for for anyone you know players organizations and, and sponsors but yeah it's it's going to be very interesting what what happens yeah. um coming into Wimbledon and, and I'm sure I'll, I'll give you first-hand experience on the podcast once I once I go to the quarterfinals um but yeah no I think I think that's all the questions we really had for today and we we covered first few rounds of Roland Garros and the Wimbledon situation, but we are definitely keen to have more questions from you guys, more opinions. Um, You know, we're not just here to give you our opinion. We're here to hear your opinions and what you guys think should be happening in the tennis world and what you're shocked about and what you're happy about. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's basically it for episode two of the tennis section podcast. Thank you everyone for listening again. Really appreciate the support. Um, If you guys have any questions, feel free obviously to DM us on the Instagram uh, if you want your tennis predictions from our expert writers, check out the website. 
and you know we're, we're really here just to, to provide you all the tennis content you need and make sure that you're satisfied and just you know you can always drop us a dm about anything and we'll, we'll respond absolutely thanks for tuning in guys um we really enjoyed doing our second podcast and as liam said please feel free we want to hear from you guys as much as possible so any feedback you have would be great and please send us lots of questions yeah thank you very much guys and uh, see you next week